Hey guys, welcome to another bonus episode, uh, aka uh, Travis Talks and nobody else comes on, so you might want to just go find another episode they haven't listened to before, but uh, <laughs> if, you, uh, if this is your first episode, normally we have a guest on, but I think all my guests are out uh, hunting right now. I've tried to nail down a few. I do have somebody tomorrow, a local guy that's going to tell a story about a buck that he was able to get, so I'm super stoked for that. Um, but yeah, uh, it's been tough to nail people down this time of year. Uh, I've had a few and just haven't been able to get it. But if you would like to come on the show, send me an email at sheddinglightod at gmail.com or send me a private message on Instagram, uh, Facebook, just look up shedding light outdoors, send a private message. We'd love to hear your hunting stories, especially if you found any success already this season. Uh, that's tomorrow night's guest that I'm looking forward to talking to. Uh, but I thought I'd just take a few moments and tell you about my hunt last night, which was pretty darn awesome. Uh, it was just a neat hunt. The whole thing, I think, took less than a half hour. My wife was supposed to come home from a meeting about 5 o'clock, potentially, or 5.30. So in my mind, uh, the weather's 20-degree 20 temperature drop. Got a west wind, which definitely opens the doors to a couple properties that I like to be at uh, on that wind. Um, so I thought, All right, let's make this happen. So I uh, decided to go out and shoot my bow uh, beforehand, and lo and behold, I was shooting six inches to the right. Somewhere in the last seven days since I'd shot my bow, um, it, it, I, something happened. I don't know if I bumped it or what happened, but I was consistently shooting uh, at 40 yards, six inches to the right, and at 20 yards, about two inches to the right. So not good. Um, I'm glad I checked it. So I sighted that in. I had my clothes uh, scent crushed in the scent crusher bag, took a shower and scent freeze soap and all that stuff that I try and do just to minimize and waited for my wife to come home. Well, she didn't make it home till 545. <laughs> so I'm really running out of daylight. Fortunately, the farm that I'm going to is about 10 minutes away. I was there a few nights ago uh, with my daughters. I uh, decided to take them. My wife was sick at the time, and so I was just getting the kids out of the house. Went and sat in a cornfield, and, uh, you know, uh, light, last light, two does came in just over this knob, and uh, they started to blow. Now, I don't know if they smelled us. I think, really, they might have seen us or heard us because my girls were making some noise. I was making some noise, and so they took off out of there. But, um, but because they blew out of there it was still daylight i was able to go up and examine a soybean field on the just just above uh, this road on the other side of this cornfield and i thought you know i need to go look at that real quick glass because there might be i didn't know if deer were coming out into it or not um the sign wasn't real good but i i thought i'd check it out so on the way out sure enough i look across this soybean field about 200 yards and i see four or five does and i'm like okay so that that is confirmed i need to come back here sometime so uh, last night uh, the weather lined up again for me to be able to hunt that soybean edge and just to give a quick uh, try and explain the best i can this soybean field uh, i hunted it last year um and over on that side uh is basically the property line and it's a real thick wood line and it goes into bedding over there uh, which is where i, I saw several deer come out of the bedding uh, into that field last year. So I know kind of how they travel through there. And, uh, so that was my game plan. Get over there. I'll have the wind in my face. I can slip right up in and just hunt on the ground right off of that soybean edge. And part of my desire was I was looking at my trail camera pictures from last year. And last year on that date, October 17th, uh, I had my first buck show up in daylight. 
And so I immediately start thinking, hey, you know, bucks are sometimes on a yearly cycle. The weather's good. The wind's good. You might get a crack at a buck tonight. Uh, willing to take a doe, um, you know, but definitely thinking thinking antlers. So wife gets home at 545. I rush, get in the car, make it over there in about 10 minutes, and um, pull in, and I'm able to drive right up to this little road. There's a road, uh, like a driveway, actually, that go, a little gravel driveway that goes right between the soybean field, and then over a little hill to the right is the cornfield. And so I peek up into that soybean field, and sure enough, there's deer already out in it. Uh, it's 555 and there's deer already out in it and uh they're right in front of where i wanted to be so that's not gonna work no way i can get to them so i decide plan b let's go down into this little uh, little field between the road and the corn and let's slide up in there a little bit and try and catch them coming to the corn because it looked like those does were coming down over so I start walking up in toward the corn. One deer busts out of the corn and goes across. Doesn't blow, so I, I still feel okay about it. I get up in there, and I realize I'm a little further than what I want to be. I got into this little ditch that had a little bit of cover, but just not enough for me to want to hunt from the ground. So then I have to do what I hate doing is backing up. Because if you back up, <laughs> if those deer come in, they can, they can smell you. So I decide, yeah, I still need to back up. So I back up with hopes of them coming off of a hill from the soy straight down over directly into in front of me into this little valley that they've brush hogged right before the corn. So that's the setup. I'm up on this little knob. I have a creek behind me that they can't really get behind me. So that's good. Um, and I'm just up on this little tiny knob that's elevated maybe like four feet, you know, off the ground from the field in front of me uh, that they brush hogged. So up there throw out my little i have a little green leafy thing that i use during turkey season i threw that out in front of me just for a little extra cover because i'm not really in thick cover like i want to be uh, but i do have good shooting lanes um i uh, throw up my bow hanger and my bow on a tree that i'm sitting next to and i proceed to go into video mode uh, start doing a little interview and i'm not 15 seconds into that interview and all of a sudden i look up and deer are right there <laughs> they are right where i had just left where i'd left that spot and had i stayed in that spot i'm pretty sure they would have came on straight on to me and i would have been surrounded and there's no way i would have been able to get a, a shot or get drawn so me leaving that spot was a good decision um this is at 621 is what i looked on my camera today so less than a half an hour <laughs> i'm into my spot and i've got deer right in front of me they're off to my right just a little bit, and they're down there, and they are sniffing that spot like like hound dogs where I had just left. And I'm like, oh, shoot, this is not good. Let's see if my scent control, what I do, if it's good enough. And here's what I do in case you're curious. I have a scent crusher bag that I got for Christmas one year. I had scent crushed my clothes before every hunt. I always do that. I always wash them and scent free stuff, put them in this bag. And then even if you know I've washed them, I still scent crush them with this stuff that's supposed to remove the scent. Um, so I did that. I took a shower, was sent free to soap um, after a day of being out at the office and that kind of stuff. Thought that'd be good. And I also ran a scent crusher through uh, the car, that little cigarette lighter scent crusher thing. I uh, got that for Christmas one year too. Um, ran it. And then on my way in, I sprayed nose jammer on the bottom of my boots. I have done that before and deer have crossed my path. And while they go on alert, they don't go into blow city. Um, they, they, they still like, 
I don't know that it actually jams their nose or anything like that, but it, it for some reason it just it helps take the edge off a little bit. Um, that's been my experience. In fact, on my very first hunt this year, I had that happen. Uh, deer crossed my path, or second hunt that is, deer crossed my path and didn't blow. So I don't know what in all of that actually worked, but these deer did not blow out of there. They did not lock up, freeze, blow, and, and run. In fact, the lead doe begins to start walking my way after about three minutes, and she is walking right down this wood line, right below the hill that I got up on, and she's probably coming into about 12 yards. Point the video camera, and I'm realizing, okay, you have got to get this camera pointed on this gap. It's the only gap that you've got, and it's a big gap, and when she hits it, um, there's nothing between you and her other than this little green net, and it's only covering up your legs, not your torso. So I point the camera, big tree between me and her, and she stops, and I'm like, I've got to draw right now. Like, this is my only chance <laughs> to draw on her. Um, if I wait till she hits this gap, she's probably going to be on me and will run away when I draw. So I draw, hoping she doesn't see. She doesn't. She takes about three more steps, and now I can see her, and she comes into full view of me, but not quite my camera. I didn't know it at the time, but I didn't think she was on my camera at all, but actually you could see her head peeking around this tree, and she turns and looks directly at me. Like she is locked on me and she starts doing the old bob and weave head up head down head up head down real quick she sees my big fat figure <laughs> up in the woods something's not right and fortunately for me i'm at full draw i don't have anything between me and her and she's between 12 to 15 yards away so i put a top pin on her and i send it i'm like I can't let you, I really wanted a buck, but I tell you what, I can't let you out of here. I can't let you start blowing. If she starts blowing, the buck's not going to come in anyway. All that's going through my mind in this moment while I'm lining it up. I feel really good about the shot. It's, I hear that pop, got a pass through. She runs off, goes up over to this little rise, gets into some thick stuff. And I wasn't sure if she'd even left the thick stuff, if she'd made it up over the hill toward the soybeans. So the other deer, they kind of run off. And so I'm thinking, yes. I've got her. She's done. And then my next immediate thought is, holy cow, it is only 620-something. I've still got almost 40 minutes of daylight. Like, I could sit here, go tag her, which in Ohio you have to leg legally, I could tag her. And then once she's tagged, I can continue my hunt. I was like, I could shoot a buck here. I didn't mess anything up. No deer blue. I can sit here and maybe shoot a buck too and double. That's what starts going through my mind. And so that may have made me get up a little bit quicker that and i i hate tracking deer at night i'd rather do it during the day so i give her 20 minutes about 20 minutes do a little interview film some b-roll texted buddies doe you know i smoked her smoked a doe double lung and i knew better i knew don't celebrate until you find her because i've made some shots before that i celebrated thought i had a dead deer and um didn't turn out the way that i wanted so to make this story not drag on too long, I get up after 20 minutes, go down, pink blood on my arrow. Uh, don't see bubbles, but definitely pink blood. Um, and it's grassy, a lot of leaves. I don't see like a really great blood trail immediately. So I get lazy and instead of just trying to find it and take my time, I'm trying to find her, tag her and go back and sit down in my spot and shoot a buck. So instead of like trying to find exactly where she went up over this hill, I knew she went up over the hill. I'm like, I just need to search this hill. I should be able to see her if she's in here. 
and it's just a little little hill nothing you know real big i can search it in two two seconds and then if she's not there she's died in that soybean field i search don't see her immediately start going up over the hill and then i get up to a deer trail and i see blood a, a good spot of, of blood and i'm like oh she did make it up to the soybean so i go up and over i'm standing on this gravel road right in front of the soybean field and then i can see two deer out in it neither one of them are the deer that i shot and I'm like, well, she had to have died in this soybean field. Like, she cannot be, she did not make it across that. I double lunged her. She's dead. I take two steps across that gravel, and that doe jumps up in front of me 20 yards and takes off. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. And she's running. Now, she's hurting, clearly hurting, mouth open, foaming. And then she stops, and she's too far for a follow-up shot, so I just zoom in with my camera. And I have this new 4K camera that I, I was able to get, and it's sweet, and it's so helpful. And I was able to zoom in, and I'm, I can clearly see blood pumping out of uh, a lung shot. And so I'm like, go down. Why hasn't she gone down? And in my mind, I, I still feel like from what I could see that the, it's, it's right where it needs to be. And so I'm just like, start questioning the broadhead, start wondering what went wrong. And she does, I'm like, she's going to go down any second, but she doesn't. She just keeps going. And I film her walking across this soybean field another 100 yards past the barn, past the silo. And I film her just going out of view over this little hill uh, on the other side of the barn. Fortunately, still on property that I'm able to hunt. Um, and so I'm like, what do I do? Do I go back and sit down and just wait? And then if something comes in, I'm definitely not going to shoot it. And then nightfall is going and I wasn't impressed with what I'd seen so far with the blood, not that I'd done a super job of tracking. So I elect to go after her. Um, I know that that's against common logic, but I'm thinking she's not moving fast. And if I can get her, you know, get another, I could get another arrow in her before it gets dark. I still had a, probably 15 minutes of, of, of shooting light left. So that's what I do. I take off around the, the edge of this soybean field. I get over there and try and figure out where she crossed exactly. And I can't find that. I'm not seeing any blood in the grass. And she's now going through um, property owners, like uh, son-in-law's backyard. Um, and I go across there. I don't see where she went down over this hill exactly. And it's real steep and it goes down into a creek. And I'm like, well, maybe if I hit her back, she's trying to make it to this creek. And so I go around, get down on this uh, gravel road that, that goes below the creek. And I look around the corner and there she is. <laughs> And immediately that, that relief set in. I, I said, thank you, Jesus, because, guys, you know how that can go. Like, that can turn into an all-night, all-next-day kind of thing if, if you haven't made the shot that you thought that you did. So I find her. She has crashed. Uh, she didn't lay down. She crashed uh, over that hill. And I, I knew, I was like, the shot has to, she has to go down. She can't make it much further. And upon um, field dressing her, I found out that I had caught the top of both lungs. She may have been quartered too a little bit because I did catch gut somehow too. But I, I looked at both lungs. Both of them had the broadhead going through it, but it was definitely high, higher on the lungs and definitely back. And then I thought, oh my gosh, what if I had not taken the time to shoot my bow? 20 yards, um, I was two inches to the right. Two inches to the right is definitely a gut shot, definitely a high gut shot with not a whole lot of blood. Um, could have turned into a nightmare. So Travis, once again, relearned that lesson, shoot your bow before each and every hunt. Just take a second, take a shot. 
And I was trying to film that and trying to tell you everybody, hey, I'm ready and I'm taking shots from the ground. And what I, what I did in that process is I learned I'm, I'm off. I have to, like, so off that I have to get out the Allen wrench and fix my sights. So I'm, I was super grateful in that moment that I did that. Um, I think a couple things factor in. One, from the ground, I was nervous. I, I may have rushed it just a little bit. I also, I was focused on the camera. I was looking at that viewfinder, hoping that she would step into it. And when she wouldn't, and I was already at full draw, I was like, so I, I knew that she was going to bolt out of there in a second because of the whole bobbin weed with her head. So I may have rushed it just a little bit. Also, I think she was at 15 yards, and I held the top pin right on her. So it being high uh, makes sense now. And I hadn't actually thought about that until I started recording this. Um, so I, I should have held just a little bit lower. I didn't have time to range her. Um, I had ranged just one spot before I actually spotted deer coming in. But all that to say, uh, learned a ton on that hunt. Uh, so many things, uh, sighting your bow in one, two, making sure that you give that deer ample time. She would have died in that soybean field had I just waited. If I would have given her a full half hour to 40 minutes, you know, just waited, not gotten greedy thinking I could shoot another deer if I tagged her in. I was trying to push that um, with just this idea of shooting a buck. Um, all that to say, I'm glad it didn't turn into an overnight next day kind of thing. She, she did expire. It was definitely longer than what I wanted. Definitely learned some important lessons. And hopefully it makes me be a better, a better deer hunter tomorrow than I am today. And that's all you can ask for. So cut her up, uh, chunked her up tomorrow. I'm taking her up to my brother. He's got a new uh, smoker and he's making uh, trail bologna. He, he took his buck that he shot the other day and turned it all into trail bologna and uh, jerky. So that's my game plan. Going to spend the morning with him and looking forward to that. And uh, oh, just, just excited, just glad to have a doe down. And now I can just kind of relax for the next couple weeks till the rut really kicks in. It's supposed to warm up here in Ohio. So I can kind of hold off, wait toward the end of October for those good weather, for that good weather to come in, the rut to kick in, and now I'm, I'm in buck mode. Uh, punch my tag and uh, just grateful for that. You know, I, one thing I stood out to me the other day, I was talking to a person and I forget where I was at, but they, they just talked about this idea of our growth, not our growth as hunters, not our growth as just being better people, but spiritually speaking, how do we grow? And I don't know if you guys have ever heard of what's called the fruits of the spirits. In Galatians, it talks about the fruits of the spirit. Um, and the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I think that's all of them. There might be a couple more. I think there's nine of them. But these are things that come from being in the spirit. And I've always thought my whole life that in order to be a better Christian, I just had to try harder. So I had to try to be more patient. Um, I had to try to be more loving. I had to try to be more gentle or whatever. And, and I had to try to have more self-control. And while those are things that are good to try at, uh, there are things that you can on your own gain a little bit, get a little bit better. And in order to really, truly get better at those things, you have to realize where they come from. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. They're not the fruits of Travis trying harder. They're not the fruits of me reading more spiritual books they are, the, they are the fruits that come from. Where does fruit come from? If I say it's an apple tree, you assume that that tree is a tree that produces apples. So where does the fruit come from? It comes from the spirit. What the heck does that mean? <laughs> what does that look like? Um, to me, that's an encouraging thing. 
it means that if I'm connected to the Lord and I spend my time in prayer and I spend my time just trying to remain in Jesus, the Bible talks about abiding in him, that word abide. Um, it means to kind of remain in him. It means to be connected to, to the Lord. And I think that that's more than just going to church on Sunday. I think that that's trying to pray more, trying to uh, just be connected to the Lord. If I do that, then the natural thing that will happen is fruit will appear. So if I do those things and just remain connected, then the spirit is going to produce, I'm going to be more loving. And I look back and I think, wow, this has happened. Like I am way more patient than what I used to be. And it's not because I tried hard. It's not because I was necessarily given more opportunities for me to just become better at patience or whatever. It's because I think God has transformed me. He, the spirit has produced that fruit in me and made me be better. And, and how does that relate to that hunt? Little by little, every hunt, I grow without knowing it. There's things that happen below the surface after every hunt where I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that again. Oh, I'm definitely going <laughs> to make sure I repeat that step or I don't repeat that, that step. And I think that that also happens spiritually. If you are in Jesus, if you are connected to him and you continue to, to hunt and seek him, seek his kingdom first, then you grow. You become a little bit more like him than um, tomorrow than, or today than what you did yesterday. And so just a thought for you. I mean, I think sometimes we concern ourselves. We worry so much about our progress. We think, man, I should be further along than what I am. And I'm encouraged to know that God is doing that work. It's not dependent upon everything that I do. In fact, it has all I have to do is just try my best. And I do some days better than others. Just try and stay connected to the Lord. And if I do that, then God creates this fruit and, and causes growth in me. And that's incredibly encouraging. Um, at least it is for me, and I hope it is for you if you follow along with that. So that's the end of my little mini sermon and also my little mini hunt. And uh, just excited about all of that. Wanted to share it with you. I did get it on video. And I think it's actually going to be kind of a neat little video. Nothing like super great. I didn't get like the actual shot going through the deer but i did get the deer running away uh, with a hole in it uh did get the deer <laughs> standing up in the field and my reaction as it runs across the field and all of that um so i think it'll be a video that you might want to check out over on shedding light outdoors on youtube guys i want to thank you so much for coming back for another episode once again open invite if you'd like to come on the show share your hunting story sheddinglightod at gmail.com or hit me up on facebook instagram on instagram messenger so thanks for listening hope that you'll come back for another episode and until next time remember to shed the light <laughs>